0: We're so glad that you're with us for today's episode of the Caring Congregation podcast. So today we launch season four of our podcast. I cannot believe it. Season four. So I'm really excited about this season. It is all about care for youth and young adults. And today, Reverend Melissa Collier-Gutford is kicking us off today with three things that we need to know, three things that youth and young adults need And one thing that they do not need. So this is going to be so informative. I really enjoyed listening to this episode. And I know that you will too. And then I hope that you'll join us next week as we continue this season four all things youth and young adults. So we have some great episodes coming up with Chris Wilterdink. Also, we have interviewed some youth. We have a great episode about sex positivity and body image. We are interviewing a Wesley Foundation director to talk about college students. Also, oh my goodness, there's so many other things. I don't want to spoil it all. Great season lined up for you. Um, We believe so deeply in the culture of care, it is here to stay (laughs) and we're excited to bring you new fresh ideas of ways that you can care for those in your church and in your community and gone are the days of thinking of congregational care ministry of just like mm, visiting a homebound person which is included in care but care is so much more. How are we caring for those in our church in our community, beyond the walls of the church, how are we creating a culture of care? We're passionate about this. This is all we do at The Caring Congregation. So I hope that you will tune in each week for a new episode. If you have missed past seasons, go back and listen. Um, if you have ideas of, you know, I'd like to learn more about this, um, email me. My name is Reverend Joy Dister Dominguez, and you can find my information on thecaringcongregation.com. Uh, it's our website. And so contact me. Let me know. Um, let's have a conversation. I, hey, I'll interview you. <laughs> let's talk about it. We're all learning. We're all growing. And we are grateful to bring you this excellent content care. So let's get to today's episode.
1: Hello and welcome to the Caring Congregation podcast, where we seek to educate and equip pastors and congregational care ministers to develop and implement congregational care ministry. We also provide ongoing training and resources to existing care ministries. I'm Reverend Melissa Collier-Gepford, and on today's episode, I'm going to talk about three things every family needs and one thing that they don't. So this whole season, we've been talking about caring specifically for um, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, which is the, the generation below Gen Z, Um whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, millennials are no longer considered young adults. And so, as we continue as a church to think about care and making sure that we are providing spaces for support for all people, um, there are some special things that we can think about when it comes to supporting and caring for kids and, and their families. And so today I kind of want to focus on families. Um, so what I do on my day job in ministry is, um, I get to resource kids and youth ministry workers throughout uh, Kansas and Nebraska. I serve as the Great Plains Conference Intergenerational Discipleship Coordinator. And so I've had, um, really wonderful opportunities to talk with uh, youth workers and kids ministry workers over the past year about how COVID has shifted their understanding of what kids and youth ministry is. Um, So for years and years and years, The model for kids and youth ministry has been you come on Sunday morning, you get the material, you go home and you live the rest of your life, right, the rest of the week and then you come back, if you're lucky, maybe on Wednesday night for some programming and then again on Sunday morning. However, over the past 20 years, regular attendance has dropped um, drastically. So it used to be the case like when I was a kid that attendance, uh, regular attendance meant Three to four times a month, on either Sunday or Wednesday night, and now a regular church goer. Um, even before COVID, a regular attendance was considered one or two times a month. And so, um, for the past few years now, I've been thinking about you know kids ministry can no longer, and youth ministry can no longer be considered the primary fourth form faith formation. Um, mechanism in a person's life. And so what COVID did is it held up a mirror for kids and youth ministry workers, I think for church leaders everywhere, but like we couldn't do events. We couldn't have VBS. We couldn't go on the mission trip. We couldn't do Bible study in person the same way. And so Ministry leaders had to figure out a new way of doing ministry that included recognizing the grownups in the, the home as the primary faith formers. Cokesbury did some really great research a couple of years ago. That showed that parents actually know that they are the primary faith formers. Um, that, uh, that 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 they not only know that, but actually feel fairly equipped to raise good humans, and so. Um, so this is the time I think that churches can start to reimagine what does it look like to partner with families to resource the grownups in the home to really live into that role that they already claim for themselves, which is the primary faith former in the household. And so there's some some things that we can do to care for families along the way. And um, so I, so I kind of just want to talk a little bit about um, th- those things that, that – that families need. Now, especially coming out of COVID, there is, uh, there's this question that I keep hearing and it's, how are we going to get young families back to church? That's the popular question, but I'm not so sure that it's the right question because that popular question, how are we going to get kids and youth and families back to church assumes butts and pews. And I just don't think that's the right question. I think that we're seeing a shift away from a very specific type of model of kids and youth ministry. And if we're being honest, right, like taking the old early 2000s youth ministry um, model, there are some good elements to that. But we actually have raw data about um, that retention rate, right? So like I'm a millennial. And I did the lock-ins and I did the big events and I did all of the things in youth group in this very specific model that was an an attractional model. And um, look at the retention rate of millennials in churches. It's almost non-existent. So, So to me, this is an opportunity for us to reimagine um, models and systems for ministry that includes more of a caring model rather than an attractional model. Um, and so so we're just – I don't think we're asking the, the, the right question. I think instead of saying, how are we going to get families back to church, I think that, that the church needs to be asking, how can we come alongside and support families in their day-to-day in our community. And so there are three things that every family needs and individual, but we're talking families today. Three things every family needs and one thing that they don't. And so we're just going to get into it. The first thing that they need, I hope this is obvious to everybody, but it's safety, right? Every family needs Safety. So if you're thinking about your church, right? So, like if you're starting up a kids' ministry or a youth ministry, you want to take inventory of your space, make sure that it's safe. Make sure that there's no, no, um let's see like paint chips on the floor. Make sure that that paint's not doesn't have lead in it um cuz buildings can be old sometimes, right? So like do the things that you need to do to make sure that your physical space is at the bare minimum safe. Not to mention accessible, right? But safe. So, we're talking covering up um electrical sockets with like like baby proof the space, not just in the kids ministry area, but everywhere in the building, um, making sure that kids have access to clean spaces, making sure that there are no hazards, lock up your, um, your chemicals for cleaning that kind of stuff. But from a church at the bare minimum, they need physical space. We also need physical safety from people who might harm us. And so this is where like safe gatherings or um, safe sanctuaries comes into place every single church should require any person who does ministry with and for vulnerable populations kids youth and vulnerable adult populations like special needs or elderly um, they must have a background check you need to have a rigorous process i don't care the size of your church if it's like the smallest church ever background check and train and do the things that you need to do to make sure that families are safe in your space and in your ministry if it's not in a physical space. If it's virtual, follow the guidelines for safety on um, Zoom with kids and youth. Um, Make sure that you are fostering an environment and a space that is safe. So when I when I say safety about like physical safety um in churches I'm also talking about emotional safety and spiritual safety as well. So families during this time and really quite honestly during any time but especially now families need a safe place to name, to process, to experience the full range of human emotion. Um, so your ministry should be a place where they can say, I'm pissed or I'm confused or I don't get it. Um, question, doubt, um, even push back, um, Creating that safe relational environment where folks can, um, be human and experience their emotions, um, and learn how to process them healthily, um, and not react out of those is really, really crucial. And also fostering a spiritual safety where, um, this is a place where they know they can ask questions, where they can doubt, where they can wrestle, where they can, um, even say, you know, I'm not sure I believe that, and and they're still going to be love and accepted, and um, and I think what this does is, is it requires folks who are like in charge, quote unquote, in charge, to really, really, really work our humility muscles because it's so common in ministry leaders to want to have all the answers. But when you create a space, a foster, foster a safe space where there um, is physical, emotional, and spiritual safety. Um, there's also, um, thanks to Chris Wilterdink in the episode where we talked about this. Um, there's, there's some bravery that comes with asking those questions and it takes bravery to say, you know what? I actually don't know the answer to that. Let's find out together. Um, so when I say safety, I really mean like a space where they can, they can show up fully as themselves Um, and wrestle with hard and difficult topics and know that in the midst of that, they still have a place where they belong and are known and loved. So that's safety within your ministry. And I also just want to point out that every family needs this regardless of whether or not they go to church, right? So like every family, every person in a family unit needs actual, real, physical, emotional, and spiritual safety in their homes too. And so I wonder what it could look like during this time. If you know if families aren't returning to your space the way that you hoped or liked, what does it look like for you to think beyond kids and youth ministry as programming and more about advocacy for the safety and the well being of families in your communities? So, something to chew on. The next thing that every family needs is predictability. So, if I'm going to take my kid to a church event, I want to know what I'm getting myself into, right? Like there needs to be some sort of predictability that is well communicated. Um, And so there's this kind of micro predictability within like a day-to-day type situation. And then there's this also this macro predictability that I think um, churches need to start to, uh, to foster again. Even with COVID, I know like 2020 and 21 now um, has have been like the the years of the d- displaced calendar and so I think e- it is even more crucial now because plans are starting to to solidify again it's even more crucial to establish some sort of rhythm um, some sort of predictability, um, so that families can re-engage if they want to. So that means having taking the time to actually plan out your annual rhythm, um, taking time before every season to do that. Um, plan out a little bit further than every week. Make sure that big things, opportunities, whether that's um a gathering or a mission opportunity or some kind of virtual thing or a way to get connected into the community better, whatever it is, develop a calendar. And communicate very clearly and regularly with the families, like, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. And so um, so that's kind of the macro predictability that I'm talking about. And I'm also talking about the micro. So I mentioned this too. Like, I want to get – I want to, like, know what is – like, what I'm signing up for when I come to something. And so really, really, really communicating what this thing is. So say that you meet quarterly, Right. Um, virtually at this point. I What I would do is I would make sure to start at the same time every time and end at the same time every time and open and close with some sort of ritual or practice that is the same, that grounds the the content or the time together and reminds them like what are we doing here and then closes with like okay now we're leaving and we're going into whatever is next in our lives so having these kind of bookend rituals really kind of sets the tone for um, a more predictable environment and then I would suggest even making sure that you do the same thing if you've got some regularly scheduled type programming, either quarterly or weekly or whatever it is, like do the same thing, at least have a broad um, kind of outline of what's going to happen during your time together um, so that it's easier for folks to know what they're getting themselves into. And also if they're wanting to invite somebody else, it's easier to invite them if they know what's going to happen. And so, so that's what I mean by, Creating a sense of predictability in your ministry. And we're talking about kids and youth, but I think this is really like kind of like church systems 101, right? So even when you're thinking about care, creating a predictable environment to care for families, this doesn't have to be like, oh, Sunday school or Wednesday night programming. I'm even talking like when you're caring for a family, um, establishing some sort of predictability in what you do and how you do it. I also mean um, – so, so when I'm talking predictability, I'm talking in, in church ministries, but I'm also, again, talking about in the community. So um, there are a lot of families that don't know when their next paycheck is going to come or where it's going to come from. There are a lot of kids that go home on Friday after school and don't know if they're going to get to eat over the weekend. That's predictability as well. So what does it look like as we are reimagining what kids and youth ministry could look like? What does it look like to incorporate um, elements of care and justice into your kids and youth ministry by um, supporting efforts in the community to create more predictability for families like – Helping create jobs, helping to helping folks find jobs if they're needing, helping folks write resumes, helping kids with their backpack programs at school on the on the weekend so that they get food. Um, there are plenty of ways that you can get plugged in as a church with other entities that exist in your community um, that are supporting these types of um, justice initiatives. And if they don't exist in your community, what does it look like for you as a kids and youth ministry to uh, start having those conversations and really listen to families about what what keeps them up at night? what um, What are they unsure about? And how can we help bring a sense of predictability and stability into their lives?
0: hope that you're enjoying today's episode. We have more resources on our website, thecaringcongregation.com. I hope that you will check it out and also consider registering for our upcoming webinar. It's February 25th and 26th. It's online. We have fresh new content, stuff you can't even get in the books. So new. And so we're excited that we will offer this webinar again, February 25th, 26th, Please register on our website, the com, And now back to our episode.
1: Now the third thing that every family needs is connection. And I think with COVID this really magnified for us, right? So I think with young people, we were, we've were we been con- – I say we like I'm a young person. <laughs> I'm 32. I don't think I could consider myself young anymore. Um, I'm definitely a millennial, not Gen Z. So um, Gen Z especially has been uber hyper-connected with their peers for their entire lives. And so there's this sense of almost like kind of like – shallow connection with, um, social, um, and, and the internet and the way that they function. And also when COVID hit and they, and we all were unable to connect face to face with people, um, anxiety shot up, severe mental health issues, um, completing suicides, uh, those those types of things increased. And, um, And so we're really seeing a deep, deep need for connection. And so I think think the church can speak into that. So Sunday school actually developed for a very specific reason to meet a specific need. So in the late 1700s, churches saw a need in their communities. Children were having to work every day during the week except for Sunday so they were going to factories they were going to the coal mines they were they were working and were not allowed or able to go to school and so they couldn't read and churches saw this as a need to be met they wanted to teach children how to read and so they developed a program called Sunday school where kids could go to school on Sundays and that's where they learned how to read and they, that's where they learned the basics of the faith. But really, the point was to teach them to read. And so it was meeting a real and tangible need in the community, um, not to just to give parents childcare, <laughs> not just to have a lock-in, right? Those things didn't exist. This was meeting a, an educational need. Now, the thing is, we have our kids sitting in school or on the computer if they're doing virtual school. Monday through Friday, 8 to 3 or whatever the time is, and that's a lot of sitting and learning. They they don't need to learn how to read anymore. That's not a need in our community. Of course, there are justice issues with the reading gap, and we can get plugged into those areas. So please don't hear me say that every kid has access to the education that they need. What I am saying is, There are other needs in the community and in our society that need to be met that are not met necessarily by the education system. And I think that churches can step into those spaces and meet some real and tangible needs like social and emotional development, how to how to handle your emotions, how to engage um, the world and the issues and make sense of it all through a Christian perspective and a lens Um, and, and how to, how to connect with other people, right? We've spent a year and a half away from folks. So there's some real socialization that needs to happen again. And so what does it look like for us as a church to support families by providing real connection and opportunities to socialize? Now, If I were 25 and heard this podcast, I would have rolled my eyes and said that youth ministry and kids ministry and family ministry focuses way too much on the games and the socialization part of ministry and that the point is to develop disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And I probably would have written this episode off. But I've changed my mind because I think that that the need now is play, is connection, is socialization that is not bound by an agenda or by like a bait and switch type of like, hey, come come here for the cookies or pizza or dodgeball and then I'm going to – make you listen to this lesson. But really, the need is to be human. The need is to connect with each other in a safe and predictable environment. Um, It's to work together, to grow together, to serve the community together. I don't think that we can do this without each other. And so I think a way that we can meet needs for families is to provide opportunities for them to connect. I'm not saying bring back the church softball team. Maybe do if it works for you. But what I am saying is recognizing the real need for fun <laughs> um, for people, the real need for joy, and to be a space where we can offer that and foster some sort of joyful connection um, is just so, so, so crucial during this time. So that's the three things that every family needs. Safety predictability, and real connection. And then there's one thing that that families don't need, and it's shame. Can we just please retire the phrase, well, they just don't make it a priority? Can we stop putting soccer practice on the chopping block? <laughs> Can we stop blaming the grown-ups for not caring about the spiritual development of their children? (laughs) That's not what's happening. Families are really, really, really busy. If a child is lucky enough to have two grown-ups in the household – It's likely that both of them are working full time jobs, if not overtime, or multiple jobs. There is a real and tangible issue of underemployment. Folks are underpaid for their labor and they're having to work more and more and more to pay the bills, to get groceries all of those things, those prices are going up and pay is not. So if a child is lucky to have two grown-ups in the household, they're trying their best most of the time. So what they don't need is somebody else to show them their shortcomings. What we don't need to do is expect families to fill our need to have an event, right? It is not the family unit's job to support your family ministry. Families don't exist for your family ministry, your family ministry exists to support families. And I know that sounds like a duh thing, but it is a paradigm shift if we think about it that way. If families are not coming to our events, why are we shaming them? Can we approach our event or our programming with curiosity and ask ourselves the hard question of, well, does this actually support their needs? I think so often we resort to shame because we don't want to feel it ourselves, right? So like we did all the work for VBS or whatever and like the numbers weren't what we had hoped and expected. And so it's easier for us to feel shame about our – our perceived failure by saying, well, they should be doing this, but they just don't because they're lost or they're hopeless or they're of the world or whatever language you use. They're too busy, right? But yeah, that is the reality. They might be too busy for that. So if that's not the time that they can engage, let's rethink and reimagine. Let's get curious. Let's ask them instead of saying like, Oh, stop going to soccer practice. Why don't we go to their soccer soccer practices too? Let's go to their games and cheer them on. How can we resource the parents and the guardians in a way that gets them um, excited about really being the primary faith formers? It may not mean an event. It may not mean butts and pews. That's okay because your family ministry exists for families. Not the opposite way, and so when we start to feel that tinge of shame, get curious instead. Um, ask questions uh, like to them, "Hey, um, you seem really busy. Is there something that the church can do to support you better, or what? What do you need from us? How can we support you? How can we come alongside you?" Those questions are questions that that get to the heart of the problem and it's not, they're not the problem. They're stressed. They're tired. They're trying their best that they can. And so how can we care for them, right? We're, We're, we're care ministers here. It's not about the numbers. It's about caring. It's about connection. It's about safety and predictability and making sure that our families, not only in our church, but in our communities know that we are on their side that we are supporting them, that we are here to listen, and that we want to do whatever it takes to support them as a family unit. Now, I know that this time is really, really difficult and it can feel overwhelming. And, um, you know, we don't really know what the next phase of kids and youth ministry and family ministry is going to look like, but I do here's what I, here's what I can, here's what I can hold on to. That when we remember that every human being, grownups, students, young adults, children, ministry leaders, all of us, are created in the image of God. We can start there and move forward without the expectation that they are just, you know, meeting our need to have an event, just a number, but that they're really seen and heard and known and invited and and welcomed into our space. And when we create that type of environment with first remembering that they are made in the image of God, things can fall into place after that. It may not look like it used to, but you know what? I think that's okay. I think we get to have this is an opportunity for us to take care of our own stuff, right? And to to unpack our expectations and and really our grief around what you know church is for kids and families now, um, while also recognizing this as an opportunity to connect with families in your community to work for real change. Because remember, that's what kids and youth ministry is supposed to be about, right? At least in the Methodist church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Let's start with our communities. Let's support our families, helping them get connected to the resources and the people that they need, offering predictability in their homes and in our programming, and making sure that every child and every student is in a safe environment, whether or not they come into the church. That's how we care for families. And I think we can do that. It's just a paradigm shift, and so um, you know if this resonates with you, you're a care minister, but maybe you don't serve in kids and in youth ministry. I invite you to share this with um, people who do. Um, share this with your pastors. Share this with folks who um, who make decisions in those spaces, or start the conversation yourself. You don't have to be an official volunteer in kids or youth ministry to care about the safety. Um, the predictability and the connections of your kids and youth ministry. You don't have to be the games person in youth to care about students in, in your community that need a safe place to be, that need predictability, and that need connection. That's what it means to care for young people um, through systems and through your church.
0: I hope that you learned just as much as I did from Reverend Melissa. So thank you. Thank you, Melissa. We are grateful for your leadership and for your insights. If you would like additional resources and information, please check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, and register for our upcoming webinar. It's February 25th and 26th, and you can do so on our website. Also, contact us. Let us uh, know what you think of today's episode. Also, feel free to share this. Give us a star rating. Post feedback. We would love to hear from you. So join us next week as we continue season four care with youth and young adults. May God bless you and keep you.